open your Bibles with me, 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. I want to thank Pastor uh, De Los Santos for the trust that he has uh, given me with you. And I know that this uh, sacred desk called pulpit and this sacred sanctuary that we uh, uh, worship in is, is uh, our responsibility as a pastor. And so thank you, Pastor, for your trust with this congregation. And I pray that uh, today everything we share will align with what God has called you to do as a church. First Kings chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon, when, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Kingsway Church and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon. Kingsway Church with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels, carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to, to Solomon, to, she came to Kingsway Church in Beeville, and, and talked with him about all she had in her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba observed all of Solomon's wisdom, the palace he had built, the food, the meat at his table, his servant's residence, his attendance of service, the attire, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings offered to the Lord's temple, it took her breath away. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Before I get into the message, I want to introduce to you my family. Um, they are taking, holding the fort down in our church in Houston. We have three services, 9.30, 11.30, and 1.30. And uh, they allow me to do what I'm doing now, be away from my, my home. This is my lovely family, my wife Patsy. We've been married for 35 years. We celebrated that last December. I met her at the age of 14. She lived in Texas. I lived in Michigan. I came to a youth camp. And that week, I fell in love with her, and I said, would you be my girlfriend? She said, yes. Um, and uh, just like that fast, she didn't have to think about it. And so I went back to Michigan at the age of 14. I had a girlfriend, uh, Patsy. At 15, I went to Bible school uh, to Mexico to preach uh, or to try to learn to preach. That's the, the disputable still. Um, and uh, anyway, we, we got married, and we have two wonderful children. The one on the right, he's the biggest, but he's the youngest, Okay. And the one on the left, he's the oldest, but he's the smallest. And I'm like Abraham looking for a girlfriend for the guy on the right, on the left. He's, the one on the right's already taken. So Elazar, the one's next to me, he's 23 years old. I'm already giving his profile here. He's 20, 23 years old. He's the youth pastor of our church. He's a credentialed minister with our organization. He plays drums. He uh, writes songs. He loves doing videos and um, and uh, he leads worship. Uh, he'd make a great son-in-law because he has a great dad. And so anyway, any prospects here, please talk to me after the service. And I'll give you his Facebook page, and you can just say, my dad told me to add me as a friend. Anyway, and so God has blessed us. They're all involved in ministry. Joey, my other son, uh, he uh, um, plays also uh, the bass and 
He has a rap CD. Um, I need to ask him for the lyrics so I can I kind of understand what he's saying. Make sure. Give me a, give me your CD lyrics. And so anyway, I thank God. I'm the happiest man on earth to know that my kids are serving God and love God with all their hearts. And so, again, keep us in, in your prayers. And, um, again, it's a joy to be with you guys here. I'd like to speak for the next few moments using as a subject, can the church still take the world's breath away? Can the church still take the world's breath away? When Queen Sheba came to see Solomon and saw everything that was happening, the Bible says it took her breath away. I believe for me that the church should be an impacting church that takes the world's breath away. I, I love the church. I was born in the church. My dad still pastors. When I was born, my dad was pastoring. And so to me, the church is, is more than a building. To me, the church is more than just a religious meeting. To me, the church is more than a denomination. To me, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. As long as the church is here on earth... The world still has hope. When the rapture comes, the church will no longer be here and hope is all gone. Are you listening to me? The church is the hope of the world. The church should be the hope of your community. The church should be a place where the power of God is manifested and the power of God is felt. The church should be a place where somebody can come in who's broken, who's aching, who's hurting and come and be, be, be uh, saved, transformed by the power of God. The church should be a place where people are restored, marriages are restored, Bodies are sick. I wish there was a, a, a happy church here. I wish there was a, a, a living church here today. The church should be a place of empowerment. The church should be a place where you find your purpose and you find your destiny. But, but the question I have for you today would be everything that I've described of what the church should be. Are we really that church today? In the passage that we just read, Queen Sheba has an encounter with King Solomon and and. And there are some things that I believe that merit our attention in this dialogue and this encounter that, that they had that we can learn as a church today. We cannot deny that Solomon had a special and a divine touch of God's hand over his life. And when you read in 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 1, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came down to test Solomon with hard questions. She heard about Solomon and she had to come to see it for herself. I believe we're living in such critical days that the church once again will be what the church is supposed to be here on earth. And I do not doubt that just like Queen Sheba, people are going to start coming to the church to see if the church has answers for what they are looking for. The Bible tells us that Solomon was a, a wealthy man and Solomon had wealth in abundance. He was famous. So Solomon had resources. He, he had wisdom. But according to the scripture that I read, what made Solomon famous, what made Solomon great was the connection and the relationship that he had with Almighty God. It was, it, it was a, a, 
a relationship and a connection with something that was greater and more powerful than him. What are you saying, Pastor? That if we're going to draw people to our church, it must be because there is a strong connection with the church and Almighty God. That there is a relationship that the church has with Almighty God. Are you listening to me today? It doesn't matter how pretty the message may be. It doesn't matter how beautiful and we do have the worship may be. It doesn't matter how beautiful our installations and our facilities may be. And they are. If we do not have the presence of God, if we do not have the connection with God, all this is in vain. Church, if this is what made Solomon famous, what's going to make Kingsway Church famous here in Beeville is that there is a strong presence of God in this place. That when people come into this place, they sense the power of God. They sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They know that God is in this place. Hello, somebody. Please don't understand me. All these things that we're talking about are very much needed. But if we don't have a connection with God, then it's useless. And what made Solomon famous, yes, he had wisdom. And yes, he had abundance. And yes, of wealth. And yes, he had all these things. But what made him famous was that relationship that he had with God. That relationship and that connection with God made him famous. That connection and relationship with God made him powerful. That connection and relationship with God may give him recognition. Not only that, that that connection and that relationship with God made him a leader and made leaders come to him for answers and solutions. That that connection that he had with God gave him favor and gave him grace and, and that connection that he had with God caused this queen to come with resources to deposit it in his hands to further and to expand the kingdom. I'm here to tell you church that if we have that connection with God this church will become famous not because of the name not because of the pastor but because of the presence of God and what God does here that if this church has a connection with God this church will be a powerful church in this community that if this church has that connection and relationship with God God will give it favor God will give it grace and God will bring the resources needed to fulfill your divine assignment and your divine call here in this community I'm still in 1 Kings 10.1. It says, and, and she came to test Solomon with hard questions. You've got to understand who this woman is. She's not just anybody. She is the queen. She has power. This woman has influence. This woman is looking for solutions to to. To the problems, this woman, the world is looking for solutions to, to the political crisis that we face. They're looking for solutions. This, this woman worshipped a number of gods, and, but all that she had and all that she served left her empty left her still looking for answers. I'm here to say, church, that in everything that we're seeing now in our world and all this political race and political crisis and world crisis that we're facing, the world will have, I believe, before the greatest revival and before the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the world will have to one more time and one last time turn to the church to find the answers to the problems of this world. If you believe that, say amen. She had questions and was looking for answers. And the church has to have those answers. My question would be, does Kingsway Church, does a postmodern church have the answers 
for what the world is looking for? Does the church have the answers to the difficult problems? I've traveled many places, been in many churches. And one of the things that have astounded me and left me marveled and disappointed at the same time is that the church no longer has become the voice of God in their community. If for some reason the church is in a community, it's because it represents the voice of God calling out to the community for righteous, for justice, and for repentance. Hello, somebody. I said that if God has established a church in a community, the church is the representation of God. It is God's voice to that city, bringing them back to righteousness, to justice, and also to repentance. And the sad thing is that in many churches today, the church does not want to speak about issues like, like homosexuality anymore. It doesn't want to use the word sin anymore. It doesn't want to use the, uh, it, talk about the issues of, about pro-life and, and abortion. It doesn't want to talk about adultery and fornication and how dare you talk about sexual sins. But if there's ever a time that the church needs to arise and become the voice of God for America, the voice of God for this community, it is now oh that God would raise up Kingsway Church here in Beeville to be the voice and the oracles of God to bring this community back to the feet of Jesus Christ if you believe that can you just give God a praise right now you believe you've been called for that I've come with a divine assignment today to let you know that we still have the answer I said that the church still has the answer I said I've come with a divine assignment to remind you, church, we still have the answer. We still have the answer. The Bible is still the answer. I said the Bible is still the answer. The Bible is the answer. It is the pilgrim staff, the Bible, the book that you hold in your hand. It is the Christian sword, the Bible that you have in your hand. The Bible, it is the compass of the pilot. The Bible is the character of the believer. The Bible is a divine book composed of 66 books that we have in this Bible that reveals the mind of God, that reveals the contentment of the believer, that reveals the condemnation of the sinner yes the word of God the Bible it's the only book that will lead you to salvation it's the only book that will reveal the condemnation of the sinner yes the Bible we must read it to be wise believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy the word of God still is the answer for this world the word of God still has the answer for the difficult problems that this world is facing Jesus is still the answer don't let the devil fool us Jesus Jesus, I said, is still the answer. I said, Jesus is still the answer. The blood that Jesus shed at Calvary is still the answer for the man and woman that has been engulfed in sin. The blood of Jesus is still the answer. The Holy Ghost is still the answer. We still have the answer, church. If you believe that, touch three people and tell them we still have the answer. The church still has the answer. She had questions for her difficult problems, wanting to know what do we do with the world, wanting to know I, I have influence, I have power, I have authority, I govern, but all my decisions and all my rulings have made things worse. And she comes to seek guidance. And I believe that is what we're going to see 
even after or before and after this political presidential race, that they're going to find out we need the church. I, lo- I saw, and I'm not lobbying or, or, or voting or promoting anybody, but I like the response that Marco Rubio gave when an atheist came and said, what are you going to do about us atheists that we don't believe in God? And he said, you can believe in anything you want, but you're not going to stop me from believing in what I believe. And he began to give Christian values and moral values uh, and saying, I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus. I believe in, in, in Christianity. I'm here to tell you, even before and after this political race, they are going to understand that we need the church to solve these problems. We need to go back to the church to get answers. I believe that here in this city, here in this area, in Beeville, Kingsway Church will be one of those churches where congressmen will come from this area to see what can we do to fix the problems that are happening here. I believe that the council committee of the city will soon start looking here and say, can you input to us, pastor, what we need to do in this city to deal with the crime, to deal with the drugs, to deal with these issues. Church, we still have the answer. Hallelujah. The Bible says that when she arrived to Jerusalem, with that very great uh, caravan of camels that, that was carrying spices, large quantity of gold and precious stones. She was basically saying, this is what, what the world has given me, but, but, but I still am lacking answers. And this is what I have that the world has given me, but, but I'm still empty inside. What she was basically saying to Solomon, okay, Solomon, I've heard of what God is doing here. I, I've heard uh, about things that are happening here in, in, in Kingsway Church, but, but I'm coming to you, and, and, and I have all of this. Does the church have something better to offer me than what the world has offered me? Because even though I've got riches, and even though i got these and de- uh, uh, pedigrees and, and, and all these degrees, I'm still empty inside. Are you listening to me? And the church, it has to have the answers. People are going to come here with riches. People are going to come here with great bank accounts. People are going to come here with great businesses. But they're going to say, I have all of this, but it hasn't made me happy. I have all of this, but I don't have peace. Does the church have something better to offer me than this? I wish there was a church that would help me today and say, Pastor JR, oh, Kingsway Church has something better to offer than what the world can offer. She came saying, do you have something better than this? Touch three, two or three people and just tell them, yes, we've got something better. Tell them, i got something better. Tell them, his name is Jesus. Tell them, his name is Jesus. I've got something better. Tell them, his name is Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. Say, nothing compares to Jesus. The house that I live in doesn't compare to Jesus. The car I drive doesn't compare to Jesus. The job that I have doesn't compare to Jesus. The money I'm making doesn't compare to Jesus. The spouse I'm married to, oh, fine oh but doesn't compare to Jesus I wish I had somebody helping me here today oh Jesus oh if we could only get I want to know does Jesus still excite you does Jesus still get a shout from you does Jesus still get a jump from you does Jesus still get a dance from you can you get excited about Jesus because if we can't the church get excited about Jesus how can we expect for the world to be excited about Jesus church still has 
the answer. First Kings chapter 10, I'm in verse 3. Solomon answered all, all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. The world is facing difficult situations. The world is in great threats and circumstances and in severe crisis. The question is, can, can the world find, because we just read that nothing, nothing was too hard. Nothing was too hard. Can the world find a church where a supernatural God still exists? Can the world find a church where the people of that church still believe that nothing is impossible for God? Are you listening to me, church? The world is looking for a church that a supernatural God is available that can fix anything no matter how hard it could be. They want to know, can you, can I go to your church? Is there a supernatural God that can deliver my son from drug addiction? Hello, somebody. Is there a supernatural God that can take up my broken pieces and put my life back together again? Does your church have a, a, a supernatural God that can heal and transform a homosexual, that can deliver, transform a lesbian. Hello church. The, the world wants to know does the church have something greater than what we have? Is there a supernatural God that can still restore my marriage? Is there a supernatural God that can still heal from cancer? I wish there was a church today here that would say you're at the right church pastor. Kingsway Church still believes in the supernatural power of God. The divine intervention from God and for God nothing is impossible. I wish I had a witness here today that say pastor you're driving down my neighborhood and parking right in front of my driveway because I am witness I came here broken I came here a mess I came here as an, an addict but when I got to this church the supernatural power of God took a hold of my life oh touch three people and tell them I am witness of a supernatural God they're wanting to know is there a God that can do the impossible? And if there is, will we find him in your church? Jeremiah 32, 7 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm in 1 Kings 10, 4 and 5. When the queen of Sheba observed all of Solomon's wisdom, the palace he had built, the food or the meat at his table. The sacrifices that were being made to the Lord. It took her breath away. When she walked in, she saw Solomon's wisdom. She saw the place in the palace that had been built. The place, his house place of rest. My question is, is this church a place of rest for the hurting and for the burdened? Can they come into this place and, and find rest? It, it took her breath away. And then it goes on to say when she saw the food that was being served. I don't think I need to Go too much in that. I know your pastor and heard of your pastor and very well. 
founded in the word. But when she saw, tasted what they were giving, it took her breath away. When the word that is being preached here would take their breath away. A message not of condemnation, but a message of love and a message that Jesus can turn things around in your life. A message of Jesus is a Jesus that loves you, that gave his life for you. When, when, when he, she heard and, and, and saw what, what was being given to eat, my question is, does the church have enough meat to feed a hungry world? Are you preaching enough word, enough Bible? The Bible says, Psalms 107.20, he sent out his word and he healed them and rescued them from the grave. Matthew 8.16 says, when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. We must preach the word. You see, if you're getting fed good meat. You don't have to be snacking. Hello. My wife has me on points, Weight Watchers. And sometimes I tell her, this is pointless. But you go to a Mexican food restaurant and they give you what? Chips to snack on while the big plate comes. Hello. When the big plate comes, you've already eaten a bag of chips. But you eat your fajitas, you eat your steak, whatever it is. And when they come back and want to offer you more chips, you say, no, no. I've already had the the main course. Hello. When you come and you're fed the main course at church, you don't have time to be snacking on adultery. You don't have time to be snacking on the internet. Hello, somebody. You, you don't have time to be snacking on a puff here and a drink there. Are you listening to me? If you get fed the word and you don't just come on Sundays, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just getting a flashback of my church. Hello. I'm sorry. I know that doesn't happen here, pastor, to you here. You... But in Houston, in our church, I have people that just come on Sundays and then I'm just spending and wasting my time. Trying to deal with their marital issues and family issues. Why are they wasting your time, pastor? Aren't you supposed to be a pastor? Yeah, and I pastor every week at my church. Come. I'm preaching. Come. We're talking about family issues. Come. We're talking about marriage issues. Come. That's when I'm ministering to you. That's when I'm, I'm sorry, I had another flashback. But if you got plenty of food... And when she saw what was being fed at that house, in that church, her mouth dropped and it took her breath away. Church, I'm telling you, we are living in the last days. And before Jesus comes for his bride, he will make one great last appeal and will call political people, will call people in high places, people in ruling places to look for the church and the church better have the answers. It is the answer to the world. My God, help us to be the church in this community that has the answer and that feeds the word to this hungry world. Listen closely. I'm about to close. Verse 5 says, when she saw his attendance service, she walked in the church. 
And she saw everyone that was in agreement and, and working together. When, when she came in and she saw that, that, that uh, everyone in the house was committed and completely dedicated and united. That everyone was doing their part. It dropped her jaw and left her without any breath. Took a breath away. Last night I came and I was greeted by a gentleman out there in the cold with a jacket. Right here, my brother. He says, welcome to Kingsway Church. Not only did he shook my hand, he draws me near and he hugs me, opens the door for me. You know how that made me feel? I thought I was like some celebrity walking down the red carpet. He opened the door for me. He gave me a hug and he welcomed me. Hello. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about my church again. That when they come to the church... They're not in their car with the car on waiting who's going to open up the church. When they come in, they're not waiting to see who's turning the lights on. When they come in, they're not waiting to see where do I take my kids. Is there even a class for kids? I was totally breathless after the first service and I asked in the break room, what time do you musicians have to be here? You have service at 8 and if you're a girl, you've got to stay up all night because you're my makeup and my hair. And they come to tell me that they're here at 6 o'clock. And some of y'all maybe didn't even know that like me. You come in here and you're all in the glory and you're all praising God with all the worship. You don't know that they were here since 6 in the morning praying and practicing to making sure that when those doors open and the time hit the time to start service at 8 o'clock, hey, you're going into worship. We're going to take you to the presence of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It keeps people when they come in and they hear these things, it, it takes their breath away. And you see, half of them are young. Okay, all of y'all young. Okay, some are younger. <laughs> to get up. If they're here at 6, if you're a guy, you get up at 5.30. If you're a girl, girl, you get up at 4.30. Hello, can you give them honor tonight, today? That should take some of your breath away. What? Yes, that's what they do. So that when you and I come here, wow, we think that, oh, they really got it tied together. They do. They come in early to have a connection with God to make sure this isn't just music. This isn't an out-of-talent show. This is worship. And we lead God's people to worship. When she saw, it says, the sacrifices that were going up, it left her with her mouth open. It took her breath away. You know why? Because the world is wanting to see something different. Anybody can dance. Anybody can shout. Anybody can jump when everything is good. When the reports came back good. When they gave you a raise. When they told you, guess what? You're getting a promotion. But the world wants to know when it's raining in crisis. When the situation and the economic and the stock market is plundering. How can you still jump? How could you still dance? How could you still worship? You got pain in your body. Your son is in in prison your daughter ran off but in church you gotta shout and you still blessed I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall be continually in my mouth they want to see that my time's up let me close I gotta close I just closed this I, I have it all come on piano player what's his name Josh 
play something so they think I'm about to finish. That, I had a guy do that to me one time. I was preaching, and he came up and started playing. And I had heard, hey, go up there. You start playing, kind of let them know you're, you know, almost to wrap it up. So he came up there, and I said, we're making them think we're almost wrapping it up, right? Yeah, appreciate it. Let me close with this. Can the church still take the world's breath away? Solomon has been assigned the divine task to build the temple to God. David had wanted to do it and had stored up a treasure because he wanted to build it. God says, you can't. You've shed too much blood. But your son Solomon is going to have that privilege. So in David's last days, he comes to his son Solomon and he says, I'm, I'm giving you two things with one third thing I'm going to ask. The first thing I'm going to give you are the blueprints of the temple of my God that I wanted to build, but that you have the privilege and the divine assignment to build. Those are the blueprints I want you to promise me that you will build it exactly as I have designed it. There will be the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. You will put the brazen altar, and you will put the brazen laver to wash that. You, you'll put every single detail, the showbread. You'll put everything, promise me, you will put every detail on that. The second thing I'm going to give you is my treasury that I have been saving for the house of God. Spend it all because it's for my God. Don't spare nothing. It's for my God. But the third thing that you're going to promise me, son, is this. That you will promise me that you will have in the Holy of Holies. You will have behind the Holy of Holies. You will have the Ark of the Covenant. Because at the, on the Ark of the Covenant, there is what's called the mercy seat. Which is the cover that goes over the Ark. On that mercy seat, there are two uh, uh, um, cherubim angels and, and facing each other. And it is there where God comes to meet at the mercy seat. Say mercy seat with me. Mercy seat. Promise me that you will have the mercy seat behind the veil. Because if you build the sanctuary and you put the lights and you put the screens, all that is good. But if you don't have the mercy seat, then we have failed in our mission and in our purpose to have a church, to have a temple here. Get the best musicians that you can. Get the best singers, the best, best choirs. But promise me you'll have the mercy seat. Because if you don't have the mercy seat, shut the doors. Lock it up. Suspend all the services because it would be unuseful. Promise me that you're going to have the mercy seat available. Because if you don't have the mercy seat, Put a for sale sign in front of this building. Put for sale signs wherever you can pointing to this place. Sell the building. It's useless. Because if you have the mercy seat, the mercy seat will take care of the drug addict. The mercy seat will take care of the prostitute. 
The mercy seat will take care of the rebellious son and the rebellious daughter. The, the mercy seat will take care of the alcoholic. Are you listening to me? The, the, the mercy seat will take care of that problem of pornography. The mercy seat will take care of it. What are you saying, pastor? That behind the veil, behind the pulpit, make sure that there is an altar call and an offer the mercy seat because the majority of us that are here today, we are a product of the mercy seat. Somebody made an altar call. Somebody invited us to the cross of Jesus. Somebody has invited us to be bathed in the blood of the redemptive blood of the Lamb. Aren't you glad that there was a mercy seat for you? And that mercy seat took care of your drug addiction. That mercy seat took care of your liquor addiction. That mercy seat took care of your prostitution. That mercy seat took care of your pornography issue. I wish there was a church here that could say, Pastor, you're talking to me right now. I am a product. Is there somebody here that would stand to their feet and say, I am a product of a mercy seat. Somebody made an altar call and offered me the mercy and the forgiveness of Christ. Church, God has placed you here to be the oracle of God to this city. And God is preparing you. And God gave me the divine assignment to come. I don't need a platform. I have three services on one Sunday that I preach at. I don't need a platform. I have a program, a TV program, where we minister to millions through Central and South America and all the United States. It's not like I need all the invitations that we have that we have to turn down. But when we feel a tugging from God, we will, like he said, and the pastor that's here as well, we will give up our three services and tell the church we're on a divine assignment this weekend and we won't be here. But you keep me in prayer so that God will bring the word that, that he wants me to deliver to that church. And the word today for this church is God has designed you and God has created you to be the voice of this community. And God is wanting to let you know, have a relationship with God. Bring my presence into this house. And I will be the God that will answer the most difficult needs and do the impossible and make it possible. You are the church that has the answer if Christ is the center of this. He says, but I have the answer and it's only through the mercy seat. I shared this morning of a sister that God saved and her husband, they weren't living together and God just made a radical change in their lives and and, and they got married. They're now our, one of our missions. They opened up a church that we sponsored or one of our churches just uh, in December. Opened up a new church campus and they're the pastors of that. But I would make altar calls. The church would come and they'd all be in a blessing falling out and everything. And right when I'm about to dismiss, she'd come up to the front in front of me with a piece of paper. And she'd say, Pastor, you didn't make an altar call for those who need to be saved. How can I cut short the altar call? People are falling out, getting up, falling out again. They got their own covers to cover themselves now. And I'm going to stop that? She's going to interrupt me for that? That happened for about a month. What really turned me around was that she comes up and now she's crying. And she's not reminding me that I didn't make an altar call for the lost. And that little piece of paper with tears in her eyes, she says, Pastor, please, in big letters, 
make an altar call for the lost. And I understood why she had that passion. Because years ago, I had offered the mercy seat and made an altar call. And it was that altar call that changed her life and her husband's life. And now they're pastors. So the next Sunday, I have a great altar call. But I made the two. And I've proposed myself always wherever I go to make those two calls. I made the altar call for those to be saved. And nobody came. And I made the altar call for the church. And the whole church came. And again, they're falling out. And I have altar workers at our church. And as soon as the whole church came and they're in a blessing, I walk off my stage because my office is this way. And I leave the service. I have some of our armor bearers and some of our leaders come into the office and say, Pastor, what a powerful word. What a powerful word, Pastor. Look at the altars. It's still going on. Pastor, that was a great word administered to me. And I said, it wasn't a good enough service. Sure it was. They go, no. But you see, the altar call for salvation. Not one got saved. We silenced heaven. We didn't give heaven a motive to rejoice. Stunned because they had never heard me say that or see that. They'd come and tell me what an altar call, and I'd say, Yes, thank you, Jesus, and God, good. But this time, they didn't get that reaction from me. It was, wasn't a good Sunday. No one got saved. But I purposed to do that two altar calls every service. By the end of the month, make the altar call, and one would come. Yes. I felt like what Jesus might have felt. He got 99, but this one was lost, and I found it. And he rejoiced over one than those that didn't need it. Are you listening to me, church pastors? Then I make the altar call again, and now there's two families coming up. Because you got to have the mercy seat. If you really want to take the world's breath away, have the mercy seat because they've been dog thrown under the bus and run over back and forth they don't want to be judged they've already been judged by their own sin they want to know that no matter what I've done there's still hope that no matter what I've been through there's still a God that loves me and will forgive me and that's what the mercy seat